going to read a few verses in Genesis, and the second book of the Bible is what we're going to look at all semester, which is Exodus. So Genesis is the first book, Exodus is the second, and it continues the story. Um, so hear with me the word of God. I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The very beginning in Genesis in the Garden of Eden that was spoken, then moving many, many years forward to the almost the end of Genesis. Um, now, these are the names of the descendants of Israel who came into Egypt, Jacob and his sons, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and then I've got dot, 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 because for the next some odd verses, it's just genealogies of all the sons. It lists them out, and there's genealogies of all those guys. So we dot, dotted it. Uh, and then moving on to Exodus, chapter, chapter 1, verse 1. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. And you've got Reuben first. And he goes on through them. Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. Now, when, now there arose a new king over, Israel, over Egypt, who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Python and Ramses. But... The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread about abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. And then skipping 20 chapters forward to a summary verse right before the Ten Commandments says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who, brought, spoiler alert, brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Spoiler. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time. Our Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for this story, beginning of the story of slaves set free. And we would pray that you would help us to understand, help us to understand the magnitude of what you did for, for undeserved people, uh, who were set free and wanted to even go back and how we can identify with those same, same feelings of, of having such a great freedom, but we long to go back to slavery to, in our spiritual side. And so we pray um, that you would speak to us, help us to understand, Lord, Lord Jesus, uh, give us your spirit, and we'll give you glory. Help us to... to to understand and write these truths in our hearts. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So this, this is just an intro, guys. We're going to look through this whole book. We're going to actually look in the next 13 weeks at all 40 chapters. We're going to run through them. But tonight we're going to see that, that the Bible is a story of freedom from beginning to end, a story 
of God setting people free. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you it's the best thing you're ever you're ever gonna read. Uh, 14 years ago, I sat in in a room much like you guys, about your age, and I was a new Christian. I did not grow up in a Christian home, but became a Christian. And one of the first Bibles I ever got involved in was studying Moses in this book Exodus. And I was riveted by it. Uh, there's this guy Moses. Um, <coughs> I connected with him uh, week by week, reading it um, in a group and then privately on my own. I started asking questions of it, and it's one of my favorite and, and most impactful stories in Scripture. So about seven weeks ago, I sat down and read the whole thing again, cover to cover. And I was like, okay, this is what we're talking about this semester. I found myself in it. I started reading other people who were seeing the same things and more. And so I started to see that this story, which is really a, a historical narrative uh, about slaves freed 3,500 to 4,000 years ago in, in a place that's 10,000 kilometers away or 6,800 miles away, if you want to you know, make the conversion there, 6,800 miles away, we can't even get to from my front door, um, 4,000 years before I was born, it, it, it's, it showed me my own suffering, my own bondage, and, my, and I saw my own mistreatment in it. And, and so I think it's very, really cool that, that I see myself in this story on the very day that we celebrate Martin Luther King's life and death, right? Somebody who was about freedom. Uh, he was about mobilizing people towards freedom. Uh, I saw a movie last year called 12 Years a Slave um, about a, a man you know, stolen away from his home and, and took down into slavery in Louisiana, and he, had to, uh, he was relying upon others to get him out of slavery and bring him home. A powerful movie. Um, and I'm not, you know, black, white, as white as you can be, uh, but I can ad- certainly identify with, with being oppressed by forces stronger and more powerful than I am. Uh, I'm a weak person, um, small in a lot of ways. I'm unwise uh, much of the time, and, and I'm born into that. Uh, there's things about me that I can't change. And the same, the same realities that existed for these people exist for me here at OU um, in this day. Um, you know, we could go into all the, the things out there that we, that we see in our world out there, like sex trafficking, uh, people uh, being abused, um, suffering unjustly, crying and being hungry at night, going to sleep with no food. Um, you know, but the deal with the, with the Bible and this story is that people... We're, we're taken out of that and into, into a new land that was awesome. And it was, it was a picture of what Jesus is going to do for all of us. And, and I think that's, that resonates with all of our souls, and that's why the stories we like are that parallel that. I'm going to just rattle off some names here. But, you know, if you ever, has anyone ever seen Braveheart? One of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, Mel Gibson at his best. Uh-huh. William Wallace uh, fighting for freedom. Even screaming freedom as he's dying. Um, uh, Gladiator. Yeah. Hunger Games. Yeah. You Katniss uh, taking the place of Prim so, so she could stand in her place and, um, and win, win freedom, although she was unjustly taken. Um, Shawshank Redemption. Great movie. Yeah. Patriot. 300. Taken, one, two, and three. <laughs> Independence Day, one of the greatest ever, Will Smith, saving us from aliens, unjust oppression. Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, 
Uh, Saving Private Ryan, y'all might not have seen that. It was a big deal in my era. Um, Star Wars, goodness gracious. Dark side, light, you know, good guys. Um, Darth Vader and Luke. Um, X-Men, you know, kind of Wolverine, any kind of superhero movie. Uh, the Alamo. Yeah? The Alamo, yeah. Um, this week, actually, two of the biggest ones are American Sniper, uh, another you know, sort of fight for freedom movie, and then Selma as well. Um, you could even argue that uh, Interstellar would be uh, trying, to, trying to escape out of a, a destitute situation into life. Um, OU Texas weekend. Um, <laughs> OU our story, just our story. Anything in general like, that we like and really is good in our culture, in our literature, and <coughs> our movies is about this kind of struggle for freedom. Uh, we, 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 we really resonate with it. Uh, because though we may not identify with being taken uh, from, from our, from, you know, when we're traveling in Europe and taken away and, and sold into prostitution and our dad having to come rescue us, many of us haven't experienced that. We have experienced spiritual slavery or, or not being able to change things. And so here we are, new year, we're like, okay, I'm going to really get together this year. Maybe your grades weren't great last semester. Now you're going to like, I'm really going to focus and change that. Well, what's our plan for that? You know, what, what is it? And so how are we, gonna, how are we actually going to change ourselves? Well, we, we see that tension in our lives. We, we get hopes about change and, and getting to freedom. And that's why this big story of freedom, which is the whole Bible story, really ought to resonate with us. So what, freedom from what, though? Second point in our outline is freedom from what? What is it that sort of enslaves us? So if you look back at this, this outline of scriptures on, in front of you, uh, it starts off with this this message, which is in Genesis 3.15, of the proto-gospel, um, proto-evangelion, which is uh, the Greek word for it, but it's, he's, God's going to the serpent who has deceived Adam and Eve and, and led them into sin and curse and misery, and he says, I'm going to put this war and hostility between you. There's going to be a conflict between the righteous and the unrighteous, and your offspring and her offspring, and ultimately her offspring is going to be Jesus. And your offspring is going to be the devil. And, and, and the devil is going to be bruising your heel, but Jesus is going to put, his head, put your head under his boot and crush it. Jesus is going to crush the head of Satan. And, and, and we feel like that victory is never going to come. We feel like, oh, oh how long, Lord? How, how long should we wait for that? But the promise there is good, and we see it in moments throughout history and then it kind of fades into the background of our lives and our histories. And so in Genesis 46, the whole setting there is like Genesis 46 leads to the end of Genesis, and then Exodus 1.1 is a rehashing of that same verse. It's saying, here, this, here are these tribes. Well, well, in Genesis 46, Jacob, um, or actually Jacob's, Jacob's favorite son, Joseph, had brought his brothers out of, out of their land, Canaan, into Egypt. And the reason he did that was because there was a great famine land, and they're going to die if they don't get food. And so he brings them into Egypt, and he forgives them. Uh, and at great cost himself, brings them in to salvation, to Egypt. And so everything goes fine for 400 years. They live there, and it's great. And they've got salvation in that. They've coped with this, oh, I, oh, I didn't have any food, and now here I am. And I've, I've got a great place to live. Egypt's one of the best places you could live. It's like living in Norman, really. I mean, it's one of the best places, Right. Um, you know, you, you're, you're, you might be from, you know, Little Axe or Blanchard, and you come to Norman, you're like, oh, this is great. I'm sorry, you guys are from those places. But 
the ultimate place. So you're in Egypt. Well, Egypt kind of turns on them, right? Um, this Pharaoh gets nervous that they're gonna that he's gonna lose his power, and and he stiffens against them and chokes them down and puts them into slavery, into bondage, and and they had to work really hard and, and doing backbreaking labor. And another place it says they made bricks without straw, and so they they are having to to, to keep their quota of making bricks without the necessity or the necessary things to do it, and they are just absolutely being oppressed. Well. That's a bad thing. And so what happened was this thing that they, that they initially had that was good started to enslave them. And that's really what we experience slavery, is that things that we have in this world that are awesome, uh, like, you know, chicken fajitas, okay, are wonderful. And then we become enslaved to them, and they ruin our night. You know, like, you know, like I'm going to have one more, you know, just one more. And that's too much. You know, and so good things enslave me and lead me to um, bad things. Um, so um, the whole fight, the whole thing we do in this life is against really good things. Uh, like, for instance, uh, being, you know, you know, an immoral person, okay, and, and, and a moral person can both be slavery. Um, so thinking about kind of in the moral side, you know, like, Alcohol, a good thing. You know, God gave us, uh, the Bible says it's a great thing. He compares, uh, you know, the gospel itself to coming to, uh, to buy wine without money. Uh, the gospel is such like free wine for everybody. Jesus' first miracle is turning water into, you know, just barrels and barrels and barrels of the finest wine, okay? So wine and alcohol, not a bad thing, but we take it and we use it to cope with life, and it becomes our master. It sort of starts to own us. And so I was looking at the most recent stats I said or I saw recently is that 18% or 85, it's a lot of million people, who, who exhibit the, the, you know, the, the criteria for being labeled as alcoholic. And, and so we become in bondage to something that's good uh, in and of itself. It's not evil in and of itself. You know, we, we become in bondage by or enslaved to acceptance. Uh, how many, like, you know, Instagram, not bad in of itself. But if we've got to keep, you know, up in the likes, then we've got an issue. Uh, if we find our identity and how many likes we have, uh, versus how, and, we, and, we're, and we're up and down based on how well we're doing on stuff like that, then that stuff owns us rather than we own it. Um, and so you can think of, like, more kind of, like, you know, doing the right thing, getting the right job. Um, succeeding in school, being a good guy, a good girl, you know, those sort of things can become slavery to us as well. And so we're going to look at how in each week this semester, good things can be our masters and how the gospel is the only thing that can free us from that, the only thing that can do that. And so you're going to get tired in your fight. You're going to get weary. You're going to, you're going to, things are going to be difficult and, and the answer is not going to be just, just work harder. Uh, the answer is going to be you're going to need somebody outside of you, something outside of you, to speak to you, to change you. Okay. Um, Stuart Scott, how many of y'all know who that is? Yeah, what's Stuart, Stuart Scott's famous thing he says? Booyah. Yeah, or he said. He died recently. He was a sportscaster on ESPN. Uh, he had a great quote when he was um, accepting an award at the ESPYs. He says, 
and, and he had uh, stomach cancer, and he's about to die. He says, when you die, that doesn't mean you lose to cancer. He says, you beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and in the manner in which you live. So live, live, fight like hell, and when you get too tired, lie down, rest, and let someone else fight for you. This whole fight, this whole journey is not a solo venture. This is something that requires support. He's saying you can't do life alone. He's saying if you need to wake up, I experience this every day, if you need to wake up, you've got to have either a wife or an alarm. <laughs> I, I do. Um, you know, because if, you know, my wife went out of town this weekend and I had to get the kids, you know, all four of my kids and into the minivan and off to church, and I know we have to get up at a certain time to do this, and I woke, you know, when I have to do something in the morning, sometimes I wake up in a panic and I'm like thrashing around looking for my phone saying, what time is it? Because I didn't set the alarm. And I realize, oh, I've got an hour, so I'm okay. And I'm like, well, I can, I've got really 45 minutes in my rationalism in my mind, 45 minutes of prep time, and I can maybe cut that down into 30, and then if it's a 10-minute drive, I can cut it down into 5. And I'm lying to myself because I'm weak, and I'm tired, and I'm sleepy. And I lie to myself because I can't do it alone. I need somebody to yell at me and tell me to get out. Um, you know, you, 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 can go, you can go to the gym. You can work out. But you, you won't require yourself to become uncomfortable enough to really help yourself without a personal trainer to help you. Because you're not going to get on one of those ab balls and do curls and burpees at the same time. It's just not going to be your thing. Uh, no one's going to do that until someone looks at you and says, that's what you must do. Uh, and if you want to, to, to achieve your goal. Uh, bouncing on a ball, doing dumbbell rows on one arm and leg lifts on the other end. And so just like just the most ridiculous things you could ever imagine. Um, people are going to tell you to do that. And you're going to get tired, you're going to wear out, but, but if you have a community focused on the same goal, that's going to help you. Uh, a disorganized person with an organization app is still going to be a disorganized person. Uh, you need someone to help you. And so, um, you know, it's a, a great thing to do is maybe like get, if you're trying to like get your uh, weight under control, get one of those calorie apps, <coughs> share, like, you know, like log your calories, and where someone else can look at it. You know, if you're trying to get your pornography, um, you know, addiction under control, uh, get one of those computer programs like Covenant Eyes that sends reports to people. And so there's some accountability involved in there. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, accountability can't set you free. Um, no amount of other person can set you free. Uh, what's going to set us free is going to be the final thing, uh, is, that, is that freedom is brought by God brought by God to people who don't deserve it. These are people who, um, you know, actually want to go back to slavery after they've been set free from back-breaking slavery. They want to go back. They don't want this freedom. They don't want to be with God. And God abides with them. He goes on and on and on, abiding with them, saving them, helping them, and loving them. Uh, they are the most unworthy people. And, and so I think about my kids and how I spent roughly um, four days caring for them, you know, and, and without my wife. And it was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And, and um, I thought about, you know, like, what do I want from them? You know, like, the, like, what would make me happy? Do I want them to say, Daddy, thank you for, for taking care of me and changing my diapers and taking me to Chuck E. Cheese not once but twice <laughs> in four days? Um, and, and doing all, the, like, reading us books and playing Wii with us and putting us to bed and doing all these things. Why, why, what do I want from them? And I, it's, it's not that I really, is that my phone? Okay, okay. It's not that I want them to say thank you because their thank you would not mean enough 
to me. I want them to just not be bastards. <laughs> I want them to be uh, like me, but better than me. I want them to embody what I, what I am, my values. I'm sacrificing for a purpose. And so I talk, I talk to you guys all the time. I'm like, look, whether don't you get drunk tonight or tomorrow does not affect your status with God, okay? You're, you're, you're not in bondage to some performance standard. What sets you free is God's promise to you and his love for you and, and, and sending his son for you to set you free from these things so that you don't have to get drunk. So that if you do get drunk, there is forgiveness for you. Uh, it's not achieving achievement that's going to justify you. And in every other situation in life, achievement does matter entirely. But with God, it's that he adopts you. He chooses you. He calls you out of slavery and makes you his own. One of the most touching pictures of, of what we are in the Bible is in Ezekiel. And it talks about how we are like a baby found abandoned. And God picks us up. And he, and he nurses us and cares for us and raises us to maturity. Uh, not because we deserve it, because that's who he is. He's compassion. He's love. God is love. And, and God shows that in picking sinners like us, and walking us out of slavery, leading us into life, and never letting us go. Never let us go. And, and, and that will be the only thing that will change your heart, is to really identify that story, that God is never going to let me go. And that's the only way you're going to turn down drunkenness, or you know, hooking up, or having to be the best at being the Christian kid, um, and, and, and working yourself to death. Um, you've got to find yourself in that. And so don't miss that. So if you're, if you're a Christian kid here tonight, if you've heard this before, um, you need to hear this all the time. And this is what we talk about the gospel every week. We talk about Jesus dying for our sins so that we might become his righteousness. And it's through faith alone that we can experience that, through grace alone that we can experience that. And so if you're not a Christian, if you're unconvinced, stick around. Uh, and, and bring your friends and let them hear that, uh, hear this story about, because there are things about us that we are dealing with that, are, that, are, that, that is slavery. And so our goal this semester, and we've got like 30 people here tonight, um, our goal is to have 43 people here every week, um, which is uh, an average attendance of 43 people in Monday nights. We want to make that happen. So bring people to hear the best news you're ever going to hear every week. Uh, right here on campus on Monday night. And, and so the, that the odds will be in our favor uh, for that to happen. We want you to opt into our text message service. And I'm sorry this turned into a commercial all of a sudden. But um, <laughs> I want you to text O-U-R-U-F, which is the name of our organization, to 41411. And to get all your friends to do so too. And you'll get one reminder a week of, hey, we're having Bible study in Dale Hall on Monday night at 8 o'clock. That's essentially it. Rush them to this. Rush yourself to this. You, you, it's simply irresponsible and reckless to not try to hear this. To not at least give the workout of the day a shot. You know, give it a, give it a shot and see how it changes you. Because uh, it's not you that's going to change you. It's God working in and through this story. That you find yourself in slavery, in addiction, uh, in abuse, in all kinds of, you know, unwanted 
afflictions, that God walks into that with you and brings you out of it. He will walk with you through all that you're going to endure this semester that you've experienced in the past, and he's going to bring you to a promised land, a better way, a way of true freedom. So we're going to 